So Preston called me Friday and asked me if I'd mind doing this, and I told him no, because uh, I'd like to do it. Um, and this is something that I really would like to do more of, and I'd like to get to where I'm good at it, um, which means that I have to practice. Um, and the last time I did this, everybody here was extremely gracious, uh, telling me how much that they loved it and then that they, that they all loved me. And uh, so I was thinking about that, and... Uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, we have the big, long chapter on love. You know, we all know what love is patient, love is kind, on and on and on. Uh, I like the New King James Version of it. Instead of using love is patient, it says love suffers long, which really changes your viewpoint on whether or not you want to have patience in your life. <laughs> you know, if it means I'm going to have to suffer, is that something I really want to go after? But Since you all all say you love me, I figure it's my goal to make y'all all suffer. So that's what we're going to do this morning. <laughs> I've talked about this, something I did several years ago. Uh, I guess it's going on about four years now. Um, and I don't say this to brag that I did something that was awesome. But I want to share this with you that I did do this, and it had a very, very profound effect on my life. Um, I don't know if anybody here has heard of a man named David Hogan. Um, he uh, does a lot of missionary work in Central America, South America. Um, I would tell you all to listen to him, but he is very curt and very blunt in what he has to say. He doesn't, he's, not very, he's not a very nice preacher. I love listening to him because uh, he has some great points. You guys will have to excuse me. My sinuses have been crazy this past week. Um, and one of the things he mentioned that he did, him and his wife, is they went through a Bible study where you read the entire Bible in 30 days. <coughs> and so I set out and found a plan that does this. And it's basically you read about 40 chapters of the Bible. You start Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and you read all the way through the book of Revelation. You do it in one month. Um, and it's a chore. And I would recommend anybody do that. Uh, it changes your perceptions on a lot of things because you don't have time to study any of this. <laughs> You're just reading. And you see different patterns develop in the Bible. You see it changed the way I thought about God completely. Um, but there was a part of this that when I did this that I was reading and I went on and it was just kind of a weird feeling I had, kind of like a little spidey sense thing. You know, something tingling. I'd miss something. Very, very important that Scripture had to say. And it's the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, we're all familiar, starting in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. And what I'd realized, number one, is I had never actually read the whole thing. I'd read it in little pieces. Your Bibles will all break it down in these little pieces, right? It'll have a section on adultery, has a section on murder, has a section on judging others, has a section on fasting, and it's a section on prayer. And I'd read all these little sections, a little at a time. And they're, never, they're very good. But to sit and read the whole thing through, I read it a second time. And a light went on, and I read it a third time just to make sure. And this is what I want to share with you all this morning. So, yeah, we're going to sit here and we're going to go through the entire Sermon on the Mount. But we're going to do it like in a Cliff Notes way. We're not going to read the whole thing. But... I wanted, because what I saw in this 
is something that was very foundational in my belief system that has affected me to this day. As a matter of fact, this last week, something was happening in my life. It was causing a problem. And I was able to go through these steps to get rid of the problem. So if you got your Bible, go start in uh, Matthew chapter 5. Starting in verse 1, Jesus saw the crowds, and he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, These next nine things he says are called the Beatitudes. Okay? That, and some of these I don't even understand. I don't understand how it could be good to be poor in spirit. That sounds like a bad thing to me. But he said, you're blessed if you have these attitudes. So in other words, be attitude, be this attitude. You can find some of these that we do understand. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons and daughters of God. So if we're in a situation that's very volatile, what do we do? If we can inject peace into that, there's a promise attached to that, that we will be known as God's children. It doesn't say God's going to call us the sons of God. It says we will be called the sons and daughters of God. <coughs> Excuse me. I have a boss, um, like everybody else, and he's a he's not a very peaceable guy. <laughs> Most of the time, when he calls me, the very first thing he says is, "Why aren't you doing your job?" And I am doing my job, and so that wants to be the response. Well, I am doing my job. What's wrong with you? Why are you being foolish? Why are you being stupid? Very unpeaceable. But I've learned to say things like, what makes you think I'm not? Because I want to be at peace with my boss. I want my boss to be at peace with the job I'm doing. And inject peace into this. And you know what's happened over time? He's quit talking to me that way. So if, you got your, if you're taking notes, just write down the word attitude. What attitude are we choosing? If you go on here, the next thing Jesus talks about after that, starting in verse 13, he says, you are the salt of the earth. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. In other words, we have a purpose in our lives. We were created for a reason. What Jesus does here is he says, this is who you are. This is your identity. And he explains one of the most fundamental questions that philosophy and everything else has tried to answer for centuries. Why are we here? And he answers that. To be the salt of the earth. To be the light of the world. And I don't want to get into all that too much this morning because like I said, it's kind of a Cliff Notes version of all this. But understand, we were created and designed for a very specific purpose. God has that in mind. In every situation and everything we deal with. So if you have your notes, write down the word identity. God just gave you that. 
Then he goes on to say, do not think that I came to abolish law or prophets. And he goes on with that for a ways. And it's real simple. Jesus is just defining who he is. If you read in John chapter 1, you see him described as the word of God. Right? So if you take everything in this book up to that point, that's Jesus. Jesus walked all of this stuff out. When he says, I came to fulfill the law and prophets, he accomplished everything that the law and the prophets had set out. So if you have your notes, write down a real simple word. Write down the word Jesus. He's telling you who he is, what he's here for. If you go on now, you get into these tough ones. These are the ones that we like to break apart. You have heard the ancient you have heard that the ancients were told you shall not commit murder. And then he goes on to say, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall guilty before It's not enough. In these next sections, he talks about murder. He talks about adultery. He talks about divorce. He talks about taking oaths. Nowhere in any of God's promises did God take an oath. <laughs> he just said. And that's what it is. So if I go up to Bill and say, hey, Bill, I got a, I'm in a bind. Can I borrow $200? Bill gives me $200. What Jesus is saying, don't make some kind of crazy declaration. Bill, I'll get this back to you in two weeks. In two weeks, have his money. That's it. Do what you say you're going to do. Because that's what God does. He doesn't make some kind of crazy declaration. He doesn't make some kind of huge promise. I promise him no matter what it takes. You know, he doesn't do that. And when he talks about adultery... He says it's not enough that you're not committing adultery. He's exposing our heart because it's not in God's heart to commit adultery. He says this is where the problem is, is you still want to even if you don't. And I was in a situation you know, last week where I had a truck driver for absolutely no reason that I can figure out. And I mean that seriously. I really don't know what I did to anger this man. Flip me off going down the road. And I had this, you know, I'm going to brake check him. I'm going to pull, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do what I can to run him off the road. I'm going to call in on him. I'm going to, why? Because there was this anger in me towards this man for this. God's not angry at that man over that. That's what he exposes. I'm 50 years old and I have never murdered anybody. And I can't imagine very many scenarios where I will ever murder anybody. But, oh, I've had lots of anger towards people. And God doesn't have that kind of anger towards people. And what he's exposing here is, is, is real simple. If you'll just think about it like this. He's saying, you say, but I say. Because he's exposing that the problem is in our hearts. That we don't line our hearts up with who God is. So if you got your notes, just write down the word heart. That's what this whole section is all about. 
next section is really, really interesting, too. It starts in about chapter 6, the very first of it. He's going to talk about giving. He's going to talk about prayer. He's going to talk about fasting. And he's going to talk about storing up treasures. Now, according to, if you take this literally, what we just did when Lindsay stood up here and prayed for those kids is wrong. She should have been in a closet somewhere. I don't think any of us believe that, that, that that's what it is Jesus is going after. What he's exposing in this when he's talking about prayer like that is, are we praying because we want to sound good? Or are we praying because we really want to communicate with God? There's a lot of trends on social media where you see these people um, leave tips at a restaurant and they'll take pictures of it. Um, the waitress, they found out, is working two jobs, single mom, so they'll tip $100. And they'll take pictures of the receipt and post it. The question is, are you actually trying to help somebody, or are you trying to look good? What he's exposing here in all of these different things is what motivates us. What is your motivation? It's really interesting, too, that he uses the word when, when you pray. He doesn't say if you pray. <laughs> when you fast, not if you fast. And I can, I can go a good four-hour fast most days. <laughs> Ice cream doesn't count. So. <laughs> but when you do these things, when you give, this is what we're supposed to do. Nothing wrong with giving. It's a great thing to do. Encourage more of it. But give because that's what's in your heart to do. Because you want to help. Not because you want to be known as the great giver of the church. It's what motivates you. So in your notes, write down the word motivation. This is where everything kind of starts to change in this, though, this next little section. <coughs> Chapter 6, verse 22 the eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? I've actually had people heard people say that this is what we watch, like what you would watch on TV, what kind of books you would read. And I don't think that's exactly what he's talking about. How about it's how we see, how we choose to see. Nowhere in here is there any kind of promise in any of this. Nowhere in here is there any kind of miracle. He just makes a statement. If we look at a situation and we're choosing to see darkness in that situation, if our eyes are what lights us up, 
we're choosing to let ourselves see darkness. How dark is what's inside of us? You know, when we got here this morning, I got here, Jared had already been here, and he turned on the lights and everything. But I've been in here when there's no lights on. And uh, it's pretty dark in here. There's a little bit of light that comes through the doors. Imagine turning on the switch, and it got darker because the lights shine darkness. It's kind of a crazy way to think about it. If we look at every situation and we choose to see darkness, guess what we're going to be full of? More darkness. But if we can choose to see light in these situations, then guess what we're doing with the darkness? We're running it off. Most of you all know some of the stuff that's going on in my house right now. Um, my wife has heart issues. My son has cancer. Um, and uh, my wife had to take a leave of absence from her job, and uh, which means that I'm working two jobs now <laughs> because somebody's got to pay the bills, right? And... And a friend of my wife's was talking. She was like, well, that's just going to be hard on Sammy. And my wife even said this. She goes, he doesn't see it that way. Her exact words, he doesn't see it that way. I look at it as this is a need that has to be met in my house. I'm the father. I'm the husband. This is my responsibility. And this is my chance to honor my commitments to this. And what my wife's friend was basically saying is that I should have this attitude of how horrible this is, how much extra I'm having to take on, how hard it is. Well, it is hard. And if I had my way, I wouldn't do it. If I had my way, I wouldn't have one job. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I've chosen to see it this way and I've chosen to I just made the decision this is how I'm going to get through this so if you have your notes just write down the word perception how we choose to see things this next little chunk here he says no one can serve two masters really he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. Now, this is the NASB. It says you cannot serve God in wealth. And it has a little footnote. And if I go over here to this footnote, it uses the word mammon. And it has a definition for that. Wealth personified as an object of worship. In everything we do, and everything we think, and every decision we make, we have to put God first in it. And it is sounds so cliche. This is the hardest part out of all of this. <laughs> because I want lots of things. If it was up to me, I'd be driving a brand new Ford Raptor right now, okay? But it's not up to me. It's up to God. 
And I've chosen to put him in that place, that he is Lord. And it's something I have to choose about 900 times a day. Because you can't just choose it 899 times because that means that one time you didn't. And that causes problems. And I've seen these problems happen in my own life. I've seen it happen in other people's lives. And it's all because of this one time that we just chose something other than what God has for us. We chose to worship something else. We don't think about it as worship. I've, I've overslept before because at that moment I valued sleep more than God. And it's caused me problems. I've chosen my own anger and frustration over God. And that's caused me problems. We have to put God first. We have to. All the time. Every time. So if you got your notes, write that down. And what you'll see is, you'll see attitude, identity, Jesus, our heart, our motivation, our perception, and then God reigning in our lives. Chapter 6, verse 25. For this reason. A lot of your translations will use the word therefore. First one I ever read, when I read this, it actually said, it said therefore. Anytime you see the word therefore, ask what it's there for. It's there for a reason. Jesus says all these things, all this time. And he says, therefore, this is a conclusion. This is the point he wants to make. That he's trying to get across to people. Therefore, do not worry about your life. If he had started that, if he had sat down there on those rocks, and everybody gathered around him, and he said, don't worry about your life, half people would have got up and left. This is what he wants to tell you, is do not worry. Everything he said up to this is to take us to this point. When I start thinking about the concept of worry, what really I start thinking about is the concept of doubt. They're very, very much work together. If you go back to the very beginning with Eve and Adam and the serpent in the tree, the serpent tells Eve, did God really say? Right? Did God really say? If you think about every time you have worry in your life, the question you're being asked is, is God really going to do what he said he's going to do? And that causes us to worry. And he goes on here and say, why are you worried about what you're going to eat? Do you, do you think God knows you need to eat? God knows you need a home. God knows you need electricity. God knows you need a car to get around. God knows everything you need. You're way down here 
it's in a different part, but we'll get to it here in a minute. But, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. If you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, aren't you having the right attitude? Understanding who you are, understanding who Jesus is, being motivated by to do the right things the right way, looking at the world the way you're supposed to look at it, the way God would look at it, and understanding that God is in charge of all this. Isn't that what it takes to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness? If we do those, what happens? All of these things will be added to us. Every one of them. Once we get these things straight and once we start understanding these things, he goes on and he starts talking about do not judge so that you will not be judged. Why do, you look, why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye but not notice the log that is in your own eye? And I've actually had this happen. Not a log in my eye. That would be weird. But there have been times where I've been frustrated with people. And because I saw these things, I've gone home and said, God, what's wrong with me? And he's shown me. It'd be real easy to go, what's wrong with Derek? Well, everybody in the room could tell you what's wrong with Derek. I mean, look at him. <laughs> That's not the point. When I see something in somebody else, most of the time it's God trying to show me what's going on with me. And it's really interesting that once <laughs> I take care of that with me, I don't have no problem with you anymore. Like at all. <laughs> I don't even need to say anything. I don't even need to think about it anymore. He goes on, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find and knock and it will be open for you. If we're not worrying, it opens up the door for this. I love that he goes on and talks about, you know, this is what I was talking about a minute, what I wanted to say a minute ago. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Now, I would probably do that because I would think that's funny. My kids would come up, hey, Dad, you know, I'm hungry. There's some rocks outside. But <laughs> none of us would do that. Stop and think about these things. You're sitting in there watching TV, watching a football game. And one of your kids comes in the room. I have a question. Who throws them out? I can't imagine anybody in this room doing that. Who's in the backyard? And one of your kids is trying to find you, and you run and hide behind the shed so that they can't. When you know your kid's looking for you, you go to try to find them, right? If they're seeking you, you make sure you can be found. Now, my, my sons are, the two that live with me are 18 and 20 years old, um, and they still struggle with knocking before they walk into your bedroom. <laughs> you know? But I don't remember a time ever 
and one of my kids knock on my door. I didn't say, what? What do you need? Do you? Your kids knock because they need you? And you like, be quiet. Maybe he'll go away. Shh. You know? My oldest son has moved out. If he came and knocked on my door, I wouldn't turn the TV off and, you know, turn the lights off. Don't answer the phone. Maybe he'll leave. No, you'd answer the door. What, 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 why are you here? What's going on? We worry that God's not going to answer us. We worry that God's not going to want to be found when we ask for him. We worry that God's not going to answer the door. Right? It's what keeps our prayer lives from being really effective. We're sometimes afraid to go to him. Even though he's told us to, and even though he has promised to always answer us. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is broad that leads to destruction. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few find it. There's a way we have to live our lives. There's a life that we're called to, and it is a very, very narrow road, and it gets narrower the longer we're on it. (coughs) I don't know how many times I've gotten off of it, real simply because I was worried what somebody else was going to think about me being on it. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. He goes on to talk about, so every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. He says this right after talking about not judging people. He talks about judging people. (laughs) Because he's giving you two different thoughts here. Not looking down on people, but discernment. And finally, it closes with this. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to the wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against the house, and it fell, and great was that fall. And I've built both of those houses. <laughs> and I've built that second one several times and stood there when it's all over with going, I didn't do this right at all. And the simple truth of that is, though, it's not any harder to build the first house. It's really not. But it goes back to these things from the very beginning. I built these houses on things I wanted. I built these houses on things that with the wrong attitude. I built, I built, I built lots of things on the idea that I was right and you were wrong. I built a lot of things on darkness instead of light. And that's what I wanted to share with y'all.
there is a way to live our lives free of worry. This last week, um, like I say, I've got some stuff going on up in the city of Lubbock, and I'm trying to find somebody to do some work to help me with some stuff. And um, I actually got a name of somebody, a phone number. Promises was going to be great. Um, so I talked to this guy. He's going to meet me. Never shows up. Never answers his phone. Nothing. The next day. Late that evening. Sorry. Couldn't make it. Can we try again tomorrow? So try again tomorrow. No answer. No, 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 no communication whatsoever. This went on three days. So I just kind of blew it off. Okay, I'm going to find somebody else, right? This last Wednesday, he gets a hold of me. Sorry about all that. Got a lot of stuff going on. Is there any way we could fix this? And I said, I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to this place right now. You can meet me there. We'll talk. So he shows up. And is very eager. And I explained to him what I need. He wants that. I explained to him what I'm willing to pay. He wants that. Should all be great. And I'm standing there, and I said, well, I will pick you up in the morning. Send me your address. Okay, just give me just a minute. Six o'clock that night. Hey, man, I need your address. <laughs> Ain't got no address, right? Can't pick you up. He texted me at 12.30 with his address. Well, dude, I'm on the way home then. <laughs> My day's done up there. And I just didn't answer. I'm driving back. And it was, I'm never going to find anybody. This is not going to ever gonna work out. I'm going to be killing myself to do this by myself all this whole time, wearing myself out. And it just went on and on and on. And when I tell you this is fundamental, when I say on and on and on, I'm talking about about like 15, 20 minutes. Because finally I stopped. And I said, Lord, which one of these have I got wrong? Show me which one of these I got wrong. Show me if it's all of them. Show me all of them. Because I'm worrying. And you said not to worry. And I want to know why I am. And he did. He says, you do not trust me that I am going to take care of this. You keep trying to make something happen. You went against your own belief system and given this guy another chance. <laughs> and then you were banking on that and you were hoping on that. And he did what you knew he was going to do to begin with. And if you had just let it go when I told you to let it go and started trying to do something different, you wouldn't be in the shape you're in right now. Oh, I'd still be working by myself, <laughs> needing somebody to help me, but I wouldn't be worried about it. I caused my own worries because I got off track of this. You guys want to... Um, Want to stand with me? I'd like to pray for everybody.
if we can have the proper attitude based on our identity in Jesus, then our hearts can be motivated to perceive the world differently because we put And there's just not anything to worry about. And if we can free ourselves from worry, we're able to help each other the right way. Our prayer life changes, becomes more powerful and rewarding because we expect God to start coming through. We can treat each other better, navigate through the world better, Identify the people that are for us and against us. And we can build our lives on a more secure foundation. Let's say it's Cliff Notes version of the Sermon on the Mount. If you guys will take these ideas and go back and reread all the stuff I skipped, this stuff will just jump out at you. And you'll see everything that Jesus is trying to say. And it, it, it changes. Because worry and doubt are the two things that take us away from God the quickest. This, it's almost instantaneous. Because when we're worrying and when we have doubt, we are not thinking about God at all. Let's pray real quick. Father, we love you, and we just think your word is amazing. You have given us so much. We allow these things into our lives that take us off track so quickly. You reach through time, you reach through space, you reach through the spiritual world into this physical world, and with this great display, showed us how much you loved us and how much we mean to you through your son. And we want to live without the doubt and the worry. We want to have these things in our lives. So let us have the right attitude. Let us understand our identity. Let us look into our heart, understand what's in there, what needs to be put in there and what needs to be taken out. And let us learn to guard it the right way. Let us look deep inside ourselves every time we make decisions into what is motivating us the why behind what we do. Father, let us have the right perception. Let us, let us see the world and what's going on the way you want us to see it. And let us always put you first. Put yourself on that throne. always remind us to keep you there. 
lives to be transformed. We want, we want to be the people that you talked about in the book of Revelation that overcomes. That's what our, our goal is. That's what we want. And the only way to have that is through more of you. We love you so much. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for being with us. Bless our pastor and his family. We look forward to him coming back. We just ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.